Hello and welcome to the Hybrid Coaching Podcast. Uh, this episode, episode 36, is a very special one to us. This is one we recorded a little while ago on Hybrid Origins, so why we started Hybrid. Uh, and me, Di and Ali uh, all speak about uh, our sort of background and what brought us into training initially, uh, and then why we came together and why we formed Hybrid and why it is what it is today. Uh, so this is quite a special episode for for us, really, just to um, explain why uh, why hybrid is what it is. Um, also, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened and shared the podcast over the past uh, six seven months that we've been doing it. Uh, this week we hit over ten thousand listens, which is uh, unbelievable, and I'm very very surprised and happy that we've actually managed to keep this consistent for the past uh seven months without dropping an episode on a weekly basis so um yeah that's quality and thanks so much everyone who who has listened um the only announcement for this week is the hybrid games on the 7th of december um starting to get our teams together for that uh if you want to play and you haven't got a team that's absolutely cool um just sign up on the website and then uh, on the day there'll be loads of spare players floating around uh followed by some food and stuff after as well so yeah, uh, on with the episode. Enjoy, guys. So we've got something a little bit different today. Instead of having a terrible idea, we've actually got an excellent idea. And we're going to, 10 episodes into our podcast, explain to you what we do and what hybrid is and where we came from. But first, we've got a very special guest with a very special fact of the day. We've got Miss Amy Goma <laughs> of the uh, rating system. Yeah, that. Hello, everybody. Um, oh, I'm too close. I'm far away. I'm here now. Um, I've come to tell you all a fact of the day today, um, which I was put on the spot very quickly to think about. And all I could think about was my very good fact about mice. Now, mice can fit in very small holes, and they do this by dislocating all of the bones in their body. Now, rats are unable to do this, apparently, because... Their skeletal system doesn't allow them to do so. However, mice can get through tiny little holes by dislocating all of their bones. And that's the fact of the day. How enriched do you think your life is now, Ali? I'm happy that I know this fact. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I hamsters am quantifiably. Hamsters can't either. No, I researched when we lost Panda. <laughs> hamsters don't do that. Oh. Hamsters. Sorry. To explain who Panda is and why you were researching that you couldn't get through every hole. Panda is our very small hamster who is no longer very small because he's eaten quite a lot of food and doesn't use his wheel anymore, so <laughs> naturally has put on a bit of weight. Is he um, actually a fat, you know? He's yeah, really he's fat. a proper his joke. Archie is... thinks he's going to be hungry, so she like fills his food bowl up every night and he just like vomits it into his yeah. bedroom. Oh. Um, vomits it? Yeah. He like stores it all he in his bedroom. He stores it in his cheeks and then and he, he eats, eats it all so out. Much. What? To be fair, if someone put a massive plate of food in yeah. front of me and just and left it there, <laughs> I would probably eat all of it. favourite treats from the food, and then because Audrey fills it every night, he never bothers to eat the rest of it. Hmm. So he's so fat. Genius hamster. He's very <laughs> clever hamster. He's going to survive. Even if he could dislocate all the bones in his body, he probably wouldn't be able to fit through doors anyway. No, he definitely couldn't. <laughs> Definitely right. not. I will love you and leave you all. See you there, Thank mate. you for the fact of the day, mate. Thank you very Bye. much for the fact. So, uh, on with the podcast. Now that we know that mice can dislocate every bone in their body to get through doors, um, the relevance of that is virtually zero. But um, a bit about us and our background, why we started hybrid. <laughs> this is how I put one of you on the spot. You know that. Yeah, you have to... Um, be direct when you do that thing. Mm, that's why I was yeah. looking at you. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> but I thought you were going to go, Al, what, how, how did you um, get into hybrid? <laughs> <laughs> when so did I you might, get your first team kit? I might put you on the spot. <laughs> You're going to put me on the spot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to start. Yeah, to start. So, DL. AJ. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and where you come from? <laughs> <laughs> who we are? Um... I just love chanting that on the school bus. Mm, central. Uh, who I am, where I come from. Well, I think, um, differently to you two, I actually didn't train lots growing up mm. and wasn't very active at all. 
got a very similar sort of background story to uh, to Dr. Mike, who we had on a few weeks ago. I used to like sitting inside and reading mostly, and going to Games Workshop and uh, playing war games. It's a little bit of a dork. What um, um what war games like Warhammer and shit? Yeah, I used to love Warhammer. Why don't you still love it now? Because it's expensive and none of my mates will play with me. Mm. That's sad. That's really sad. I'm really looking forward to um, having a kid so I can force them to play it mm. and live the life I really want to live through there. Can you imagine Just Ali playing. trying to paint Warhammer characters? <laughs> uh, I think Ali's excellent finesse and patience would really shine through. <laughs> if there's one thing that I'd be fucking useless at, <laughs> painting small little figurines. <laughs> <laughs> one of my least favourite at least ever. once a day I hear you go oh, <laughs> oh when so- I, something bad happens it's a bit like on the Simpsons it's like an alarm though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. when I used to live with Ali it's like an alarm clock like if I knew Ali was getting up in the morning I didn't used to have to set an alarm because at 5.30 you'd hear <laughs> oh for fuck's sake every time when he jammed up the blender it's funny because he comes across as a really like chilled out guy, but as soon as you ask him to do anything in the kitchen, he'll be shouting. I um, I always feel bad because if Ali comes over my house, I get stressed when I hear him in the kitchen. <laughs> I can't look. I, I like try my best to not get boily about it. And I can just hear these noises, so I just sit in my living room, like squeezing my hands with sweaty palms, as you can just hear the fridge and like <laughs> shit going everywhere. <laughs> It's um, it's actually an excellent exercise in zen and self control. Yeah. <laughs> so cheers for that. No problem, mate. I'm glad I'm helping you uh, be more mindful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should try. Um, yeah. So from painting Warhammer figures and not really doing very much at all, I um. When did I start? Probably climbing when I was up in Bangor was the first thing I did that was like physically active at all. And I like really, really loved climbing. Uh, so I climbed for like a year and a half loads while I was up in Bangor Uni. And then when I moved back to Swansea, I started playing rugby, which was, I was about 19, which is very, very late to start playing rugby when you live in Wales. How did you avoid playing for that long? Well, I, I didn't say avoid playing. I played like in primary school when yeah. you do it as PE and then played a little bit every now and again in in um, secondary school but yeah I just didn't I just like it I don't know what about like PE in school did you not I, I genuinely it's like it's hilarious in like hindsight but I used to actively avoid doing PE if I could really yeah I used to hate being rubbish at stuff used to well like I don't mind it now I don't mind learning stuff Okay. I think I had a very different mindset. I think I used to have like a much more fixed mindset in terms of. I think I'm a little bit clumsy, so the first time I would try stuff, I used to like not be that great at it. Yeah. When there was any sort of degree of coordination involved, and then at school, like, I used to hate like being laughed at. So if you like mm. try to play cricket or something like that and like miss the ball, you get a bit laughed at. Mm-hmm. Not even nastily, but mm-hmm. I used to hate it, so didn't do it. And then started playing rugby when I was like 19. And by that point, like, because of climbing, I, I, I guess I just got a bit stronger. And I guess I'm naturally like fairly big and strong. So mm-hmm. I was okay at rugby. And you could sort of get away with just working quite hard at rugby. It's like you don't have to be like technically that good to play like lowish levels of rugby. I just quite enjoyed like, I got quite big and strong and just quite enjoyed like working really hard. Is that, when you, is that when you started training or did you just... Uh, yeah, yeah, just I started training time. like just purely to enhance rugby. So mm. my training then was much more like powerlifting sort of base. There's lots of stuff on like elite FTS and T-Nation I used to follow. Yeah. Like 5-3-1 and that, that sort of style of training. Um, so so what's, quite... what, what, what is that? So 5-3-1 is a program by Jim Wendler, which I think is probably one of the best like if you just want to do like an out and out strength program, it's probably the best like way to lay out your strength training. Of course, um, so you basically, it's, it's just around power lifts, so squat, bench, deadlift. Um, but it's quite a nice way of auto-regulating your training. So every week you just sort of work to a top set, um, two, three reps in the tank, mm-hmm. like different percentages. And it's like periodized quite nicely. So if you do that sensibly, you can sort of 
do that fairly sustainably. Yeah. Um, and I got quite big and quite strong. How ish. big were you? Your biggest? At my biggest, I was one hundred and twelve kilos. So that was that seventeen and a half stones. Was that? Who knows? So many. <laughs> 112 <laughs> kilos. Considerably bigger and fatter than I am now. I still want to know what the first stone was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who found the first stone and goes, this is, an, this this is, is a, a normal stone. stone? Yeah. I reckon the Egyptians. <laughs> it's the most useless measurement ever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? I oh, don't know. You're not in the podcast. Don't worry. I was going to talk to Amy, but she's sitting on the sofa. Can't <coughs> um, but she likes to use stone. And miles, which are useless measurements. Have we been through what a terrible idea? Not tracking oh, things in <laughs> metric is yet. No, we've not spoken about that. I don't think. <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe should the session just turn into that. Yeah. It is a fucking retarded idea. Yeah. It's. Uh, I just can't. I can't, literally can't. Well, but it's when comprehend. people are trying to make logical arguments that like a mile is a more sensible unit of measurement than a kilometer, and they actually try to. If mm. they just said, "Do you know what? I've just always done it, and I can't quite figure it out." Okay. Fine. Wouldn't take you long to learn, but all right. Don't want to. No yeah. don't, don't explain to me that it makes more sense than a kilometre. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you are actually stupid if you think that. But that's what a marathon is. No, it's not. It's not even measured in full miles, is it? It's 26.2. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas it's 42k, bang on the dot. Yeah, it's unbelievably stupid. In a marathon, though, you might want to measure in miles just because there's less of them. Like, 42k I, I, is I, really fast. I much Definitely prefer not. going in kilometres. If you just I, think... Like, to me, the idea of running 26.2 miles sounds yeah. terrifying. Run 410k's. Oh, I, it'll be hard, but... Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I get, I get, K, oh, great. We've only got three more of those to do. <laughs> I, get, I get the opposite. I think 26 miles, just because it sounds like less... But it's miles. Like, so you've got no. Yeah, but I've got no. Con- I've got no concept of how far it is either. You've got no concept of like. If you, 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 you <laughs> running races start at sixty meters, hundred meters, two hundred meters, four hundred meters, eight hundred meters, fifteen hundred meters. Not even sixteen hundred. It's not even a mile at that level. Three k, five k, ten k. Why on earth? It's so. Would you then start <laughs> doing things in miles? It is stupid. It's so stupid. And then when you measure, like you do your paces in miles. Yeah. Horrid way to do it. it takes you so long to check off a mile unless you're Kipchoge. <laughs> <laughs> he does do them very quickly, to be fair, doesn't he? Mm. Pretty much the same as my K's. Yeah. <laughs> Probably quicker, Probably quicker, to, quicker be fair, mate. to be honest. Is it? I. Yeah, probably. He, he runs pretty much yeah, 20, 20 kilometres an hour. 60% faster than you? I don't know. Like, he runs so quick. He runs at 20 kilometres an hour. Yeah. yeah, no, not quite. Not quite. Because it's a two hour marathon. And I'd like to think that while I haven't trained, I could run a, under a four hour marathon. Yeah, but it's not yeah, that's what I'm saying. Though. He probably runs 60% quicker than you. More oh, than. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he probably is slightly ahead. That's nuts, isn't it? If you ran a three-hour marathon, you'd just be running a little bit. You'd be running 50% quicker than you. So quick, isn't it? That's rapid. Um, anyway, yeah, so when I was playing rugby, I definitely couldn't have run that fast because <laughs> <laughs> I was too big to run that fast. Um, but I got like I think the same as most people do when they're playing rugby lots and lots of injuries um, I used to dislocate my shoulders quite often and then dislocate my knee twice and had one ACL reconstruction I never had the op the second time around so I now don't have an ACL I have some messed up cartilage in my knee um, and then after rugby wanted something competitive to do so I started doing CrossFit quite a bit, which is really good because it sort of replaces that, like the team side of rugby, which is what I, I think that's probably what I loved about rugby is the team side of it more than anything else. Um, and I think that's like probably the common theme with all our training is that doing things with other people is about a million times more fun than doing them on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And CrossFit like replaced that quite well for me. Like, that's why I think like I've got quite a soft spot for CrossFit was a lot of like PTs sort of look down on it sometimes which I think is really unfair when it's done well um, I think so, that's just a general a lot, a, lot, a lot of people are don't 
can't look at things in a manner that is objective and fair. Yeah, that's true. And that's their yeah, across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they just hear someone else bashing it and they mm. like kind of jump on the bandwagon without actually like going and experiencing it for themselves. Mm. Well, especially I think with CrossFit, like it's probably another episode that we could do, but um, uh, there's probably another episode we could do, isn't there? But CrossFit is a franchise, so that's different at every gym you go to, anyway. So it does, like mm. just bashing CrossFit is is a bit pointless because it could be different wherever yeah. you go. Um, but I loved it anyway, and did that for about three or four years, and then met Tom in um oh, sorry, right because of because of crossfit then i decided i wanted to start sort of pting and coaching did my crossfit qualifications and a couple of kettlebell qualifications which al always likes to take the piss out of me for <laughs> i'm technically a kettlebell specialist um and then met tom in combined strength mentorship group and moved up to bristol and started coaching and started um Started coaching up in Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, my training sort of changed quite a lot when I started training with Tom and Ali. That's my story. Shall we, shall we do your story, Tom? And then we'll we'll do the merging point. The merging point. Yeah. <laughs> the merging point. The melting pot. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny, mate, because I, I, like, when I first met you, I had no idea that you, like, it had been such a recent thing, you kind of getting into training, because... Yeah. For me and Ali, like, well, sport for me has always been sort of a massive part of my life. Like, I've always, like, really enjoyed, like, all and any sports and just generally being outside. So, like, when I was really young, I used to play football, which I'm now terrible at and kind of don't really like football. But um, all throughout school, I played rugby both in and outside school. I played some hockey. Um, I had a trampoline in my, my, my back garden. Um so I learned to do like some backflips and a little bit of like self-taught gymnastics on there, which is always fun. And just sort of like, I, I guess because I enjoyed it and did lots of different things, you just build such a kind of like wide sort of skill set in terms of sort of like what you're physically able to do. Um, and it wasn't until I was probably 14 or 15 when I kind of started to go to the gym a little bit and started to do a bit of training. And that was at, at the time probably like when I first started more from a kind of just wanting to build a little bit of muscle mass and probably look a little bit better because growing up and sort of through like my young years in school I was always sort of quite chubby so if you look at pictures of me I, I think You're I had the, cute, the roundest face you could possibly imagine <laughs> chubby is not a word that gets bandied about when you talk about Tom Morgan nowadays. <laughs> but I think it's important to say because a lot of people like yeah. look look at you now and be like oh like you've always been like that but it's, yeah. it's just like it's absolutely not the case like I like well I, I like food a lot um and obviously when I was younger I didn't know like how to kind of manage my food intake so to actually kind of get the best out of both training but also kind of body composition and everything else as well um so like yeah i was absolutely like like even throughout uni and things like that i, I didn't really sort of i had a better idea and kind of like learn a bit but it's still like things like eating sort of like getting healthy fats from nuts, so I'd have like a whole bag of salt and vinegar peanuts, <laughs> yeah. which tastes great. Yeah, but downside of CrossFit, <laughs> I tried to do keto paleo for a while, <laughs> doesn't work. Keto and paleo yeah, together. Oh, they loved it. They loved eating keto back in those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they made sure they were keto always. Remember, white potatoes aren't paleo, so don't don't eat them. No, they changed it. They are. Oh, they, oh, yeah. oh excellent. They, yeah, they changed paleo. Yeah. <laughs> um. I want to know the definition. As in, like, I want to see where like it was unallowed and then suddenly was allowed. Who who decided? Who decided? I'll um I'll do some research for the next episode. <laughs> that would be great. Paleo, what a terrible idea. Yeah. That's a good episode. We can link it with CrossFit. Yeah. Mm. Um my favourite is um just a quick aside, there's an excellent poster in CrossFit Baths Gym. <laughs> it's so great. It's fitness in a hundred words. <laughs> and essentially, if you are a vegetarian you can't be fit. Yeah. What other what other things are there? It, the fear starts with <laughs> 
I think the first the first part of the description of fitness is eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> Sorry, TMT, go back. That's okay. Um, so yeah, I played loads of different sports through through school, and then when I went to uni, uh, I went to Loughborough, which is obviously sort of very sporty uni, but I actually studied uh, engineering. Um, but whilst I was there, I started playing rugby league. Um, so I kind of played that through the whole four years I was at uni. Um, but in my, I think it actually happened in my um, first year. Uh, but I basically had labral tears in both shoulders. So like the ring of cartilage in both shoulders um, basically just got mashed up from playing lots of rugby. Were you not um, playing rugby before that? Before yeah, I was, but just the positions you're in for rugby league. Oh, really? Um, yeah, where you carry the ball, how you land, stuff like that, just like meant that that like it's, it's more common for labral, labral tears in rugby league. Um, what made you play league and not union? So, in Loughborough, I don't know if this is still the case now, but um, the trials were very sort of, it was very much based on who you'd played for before. Mm. So, in the trial game, I didn't really get much of a kind of a look in. Mm. Um because I hadn't played that high level beforehand. Mm. Uh, and then after the trial, I get an email through saying you didn't get in, email back if you want some feedback as to why. Uh, so I emailed back and just didn't get a response, basically. Oh, wow. Um, so I just went to, the, I just started playing rugby league from then. Um, my brother played rugby league when he went to uni as well. So I just thought, like, give it a go. And actually, in the end, I ended up preferring it anyway. Um, it's a horribly fast and hard game but yeah. <laughs> it was wicked I'm so glad I, that I never got to play league I never understand why league isn't more popular than union because as somebody who doesn't really like rugby yeah. I would I like watching rugby league it's great yeah. watching unions a little bit like yeah, I agree it's, it's, I like always play yeah. league again. I think league's a much up, up north up north it is it's, mm. it's bigger than rugby union up north but it's just less less played in the south yeah um, but yeah, I had labral tears in both my shoulder sides. Um, my left and right shoulder operated on three weeks apart in my third year, which was not particularly fun. <laughs> what are you doing? So basically, how did you write? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you I was like, "Who did better in uni?" Because your first thought was, "How did you write?" And my, your first thought was, "How do you write?" And my first thought was, "How do you rank?" <laughs> well, ba- basically, the fizz you have in that three weeks is in like enough. You need to get enough movement that you can wipe your own bum. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. If you got the external rotation to wipe your ass, you could masturbate. And right. (laughs) (laughs) All bases covered, really. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, coming back from that was obviously, like, quite tough. Having, like, I I don't know if it was necessarily better or worse having had both shoulders done, because obviously if you have one done... And then you go back, you're always going to favour the one side. Whereas, because I'd had both then, I was equally nervous on both sides. <laughs> but I know a lot of people that have had one done and then they end up messing up yeah, the other yeah, one yeah. As, a, as a result of that. Um, so I still get like little niggles in my shoulders and things like that. But So I'm sort of very mindful of that. But when I really got sort of the most interest in training was probably after I'd had those injuries because I wanted to make sure that it didn't happen again. Um so like that process of getting injured you learn so much about your body um like how to be moving how to be training like like everyone else had probably done sort of way too much pressing not enough upper back work and as a result like the position that your shoulders sit in like just kind of postural habits things like that were sort of not great for them going into like a really aggressive contact sport mm. and obviously like in contact sports that you, you're always going to get injuries at some point but um I think if I trained, if I'd had a better sort of understanding of training before that, I would have been in a much better position. And that's kind of like a, like a big part of the reason that I get sort of like I'm interested in training and sort of first kind of got that interest. Um, but yeah, I ended up, I, I got back to playing and I ended up playing in a couple of Bucks finals, which was, which was wicked. Um, although we lost every time to Leeds Met, which was not wicked. Um, and then played for Wales students and we won the Four Nations which was excellent <laughs> and then I went on to play a little bit of semi-pro rugby after that um, for South Wales Scorpions and I managed to tear my hamstring tendons and lateral ligament off my left knee that which... video is disgusting but so hilarious yeah Tom carries the ball up and just as he's about to get tackled and tear his hamstring some northerner supporting <laughs> the seat at the side, eat him! <laughs> and then the guy does, doesn't he? Yeah. 
But it's, it's one of them, it's like the last two minutes of the game, so obviously like injuries are going to be sort of most prevalent in the last bit before half-time, the last bit of the game. Uh, and I was meant to go travelling five weeks after that, um, which obviously didn't end up happening. But I had the ops, I had them reattached, which was the most painful surgery I've had. Uh, and then I think I was in I was in a fixed brace for six weeks. Uh, and then three weeks after that, I went travelling. So in terms of kind of like rehabbing and things like that, I was away traveling sort of Southeast Asia and Australia for sort of five months. So I had to kind of do a lot of my own rehab. I didn't have a kind of point of reference for that, which is probably part of the reason that I had further injuries after that. So I came back to playing. Um, then I did cartilage in my right knee. Um, I was like, right, this is stupid. I'm not going to play rugby anymore because that's when I kind of started PTing as well. And then from there, I um, yeah, I stopped playing and then I went to play a tag rugby tournament, which is just like a recreational fun thing, and stepped, which I never really did in rugby. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> should have run straight at someone, but um, yeah, stepped and blew my ACL and uh, meniscus in my left knee, which I had, that was about two years ago now, so I had the ACL up just under two years ago. Um, yeah. But in in terms of kind of like what I learned through sort of that process, obviously like in terms of sort of rehab and training and that sort of stuff, I learned a lot there. But just in terms of kind of like the mindset side of things, like it's so hard when your kind of physical freedom is taken away like that and you're like all the stuff that you like to do, you're suddenly just not able to do any of it. And it does really, really make you appreciate sort of like the ability to move pain-free and just like be able to go out for a walk and enjoy that without sort of, it being really painful or really awkward to do um and again that's kind of like why i train the way i do why i train my clients the way i do that sort of thing because that for me is like is so valuable it's so valuable um but yeah that's kind of like my kind of rough background and obviously when i did my asylum i was in bristol anyway i've been in bristol for a few years uh sort of before that and obviously been here since um, Solid story. That was so much more eloquent than I <laughs> I feel like you've rehearsed that. Like, which is cheating. Mine was just like, I did this, I did this, I did this, and then Tom like pulls out this massive autobiographical <laughs> like, soliloquy. Very That's eloquent. Strong <laughs> word, mate. I, know. I'm, I do know words, okay, people? I just sometimes don't use them. <laughs> uh, Ali, your story before uh, the merge point. Before the, before the merge melting pot. Uh, so my background, like sport-wise, I was always like an active kid. Like my dad had me riding a bike when I was two. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a picture of me riding riding a bike like stabilizers when I'm two. Oh my god! I just get pushed down a hill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a video of me riding at, like three, um, and that's like like testament to my dad. Really, like he's always been like a real. He's always been like really like unbelievably active, like pretty intensely not in a not in a bad way necessarily but like it's always instilled in me that like doing stuff he's always instilled in me like to do things like I remember when I was about six I was abseiling out of a window with towels wrapped around me <laughs> which was quite scary for my mum but like it sort of gave it sort of like gave me like a when I was actually quite young like 10 11 I didn't really have any fear um which was but I never really ended, ended up getting that hurt. But anyway, what, that, what my dad did give me that sort of like ability to just try, be really willing to try things and not be scared if if you just shit at them or like if you hurt yourself. And it's that was something that um, was a really useful thing to get exposed to when, like, because most kids have that anyway. But to be supportive by my dad for all those like things when I was younger, like made me really, like it made me just like I skateboarded, I rode my bike, I played football. So I was just exposed to loads of different modalities of sport or training. Um, which gives you a real good solid base of like your your movement vocabulary is really really large when you just do loads of different things especially as a kid like you just you develop all these motor motor patterns that you you just don't get unless you play a lot Mm. so as a kid like I was really lucky to be exposed to all these different things and then when I was like sort of 11 12 that's when I started playing football properly Um, and then that was sort of my background really like I used to I did a lot of running as well I suppose again with my dad so we would go like we would literally play football just me and him when I was like 11, 12, 13 and just play one on one um, which was like 30 minutes of non-stop running which was pretty brutal um, which is but like I really enjoyed it so that used to be my cross country training 
and then I like went on to represent like my county and cross country. The same for football. We made like finals and stuff, which was good fun. And that's sort of up to like sixteen, and that's when I sort of started getting into uh, maybe actually a little bit younger when I start, first started going to the gym. Uh, maybe like fifty. Actually, yeah, it was like fourteen, fifteen, because I remember getting a um, borrowing someone's ID <laughs> <laughs> so I could get a gym membership. <laughs> <laughs> local sports center and um oh it's so funny i literally remember um doing uh one of these men like i literally doing a men's health um chest session and you know um the bars that are like fixed yeah <laughs> i had to go pick up a bar and put it on a bench <laughs> <laughs> and i remember failing with like like just going like do max reps and ended up with this like 30 kilo bar just like stuck on my chest <laughs> And this bloke coming over and helping this bar off me, um, but yeah, some of those first, some of those like first gym sessions are just unbelievably comical. Yeah. Actually, just that does yeah. remind me when I was fifteen, I like, I, I I did like try going to the gym every now and again just because you sort of mm. think that you should, didn't you? But never, nothing ever came of it. I remember one session, I walked in and I had no idea what to do in the gym, but I saw someone using a hack squat machine, so I thought I'd do the same. So I tried to. I thought it would look really cool if I put loads of weights on it without ever trying it before. And <laughs> must have had like 200 kilos on it. Oh, and it crushed me. And I was sat there for like 30 seconds. How did you get out oh, of a hack squat like that? Someone came and helped me. Oh. Savage. Uh, yeah. And um, someone came and helped me out. And I never went back to that gym again. Well, I walked straight did? down the stairs, <laughs> walked out. I think the first gym session I ever did I just used every single machine in the gym <laughs> that's good going yeah that's probably the best thing to do yeah. <laughs> but yeah, actually probably not the leg machines <laughs> <laughs> I used to just smash the shit out of the cardio machines when I was younger though it's just like yeah I used, to be, I used to literally remember being saying to my mate or trainer I don't want to get too big because I, I don't want to be bad at football <laughs> um but yeah, so I mainly use sort of like training to get a bit stronger for football, I suppose, but mainly just so I could be like, could just still be the, because I was always like the fittest player on the pitch. I used to play centre mid, that was like my thing, I just always like run everybody. Mm. Um, good on the ball and stuff, but just like, come the 70th, 80th minute, like everyone would be dead and I'd just be feeling absolutely fine. Um, so that was what, that, 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 that was what actually like progressed me quite quickly in football when I was younger, is like just being the fittest player. So just being able to, cover more distance than everybody especially when like people are 16 17 like they no one really wants to do fitness and stuff and that's where like having that background of just like being good at cross country when i was younger and just constantly running gave me a bit of an edge and so i played like to do to a like semi-pro standard when i was like 16 17 and obviously when i was 18 i went to uni to do maths um obviously obviously but that meant that at the time like it was like, i was sort of torn between um sort of following football or doing be it like following academia and so everyone like at the league I was playing in the, in the time um all the boys there they were studying well not really studying they were just playing football and they would like have their study on the side they were all like full-time footballers that would go to school like for two hours a day then and go to football whereas I was still at sick form and playing for that team that um so I never really bonded with all the with all the kids like all the guys in my team would all be training like every day together and then go to school together whereas I was like going to a real school <laughs> <laughs> and I'd have to like I only go train with them twice a week and stuff um and I think that that was a that I, I really fell out of love with football at that point like um because I, I actually I hated playing I didn't bond with any of the players on my team this is like it's essentially this, this this group of like this group of chavs that just like wanted to get in fights all the time and they were really good players but like they just they just they weren't welcoming at all like on the buses to away games um people would like just every every away game i'd get into a fight on the bus <laughs> like i try and ignore like what you know you're just trying you'd like just ignore it just ignore it and then after a while like you get washing up liquid pour into your head the last time and you're like <laughs> you're a prick <laughs> and every and it made me fall out of love with football like really really badly um, and even when I like, because I was like in and out of the team, even when I was uh, like a guaranteed starter, 
I still never really bonded, and I think that's what's given me like a real that that experience made me really appreciate when people like don't feel included. Mm. So like yeah. feeling unincluded for like six months, falling out of love with football completely, just being and when I, when I went to uni, I, I literally didn't even um, I didn't go to trials for the university side because I just didn't I just didn't want to play. I literally just hated eleven side football after uh, f- from that season, and. Um, and so that's when I sort of really got into the gym and just like um, I was quite lucky because I was exposed to um, exposed to someone when I was like eighteen who knew how to train or like seventeen eighteen who knew how to train, and so my sessions were sort of like push pull legs from the age of like seventeen, which is pretty which is a yeah, pretty, pretty solid, solid way to yeah. get into like like obviously I did body part splits like before that um, like proper that bodybuilding has- no that was um, Josh Hill, so um, that's when I met at the University of Bath, just before I went to uni. This um, really strong bloke called Josh Hill, uh, got like a 400, almost got a 400 kilo deadlift. That's big. And can do bodyweight stuff. And he's, 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 he stopped doing gymnastics when he was like 17, can planch and stuff. He's a boss. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, weighs 100 kilos, is about five foot seven and can planch. Unbelievable. <laughs> that is <laughs> Um but yeah, that's that's when I've sort of like properly started um, training, like getting into training properly, and um, I sort of like yeah fell out of love with football at the same time. So I had this like all this time and all this energy to invest in building loads of muscle, and that's what I did for like a year and a half, and then I went skiing and dislocated my knee. It's fun, isn't it? And that was one of the worst experiences ever. But like Tom says, that's what that it gives you that massive appreciation for like freedom of movement like before that you just take everything for granted like being able to move being able to do any sport at any time being able to play football like I so suddenly I, I didn't have the choice to play I didn't have the choice to train and my rehab from that first injury was so shit like it was terrible I wasn't really given like you almost say like I didn't, wasn't given much support from the hospital but like what are they going to do, do for you I just came back I just started like training way too quickly didn't do any real rehab um, and it meant that a year later I needed another operation. And after that operation, I was like, like my, le- it was, I remember like a week later, my left leg was like fully jacked still. My right leg literally looked like it was just skin and bone. It atrophied so much. Oh, that's that picture, isn't there? Yeah, I didn't know where it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, no, but that's not even that bad. The picture like a week after my surgery, mate. Oh, is that? There's a picture of me standing in my pants like this. Like back on for some reason, and it, and it's like my this leg's not really, yeah. My left leg's not really much different um, to my. Uh... If you um, couldn't hear Ali briefly for a second, it's because he got up to demonstrate what standing uh, a photo from behind might look like for you. So it's very useful really, because now you can really imagine. <laughs> but my left leg was like not really much smaller than it is now. To be honest, like yeah, you know. Maybe a little bit, but in reality, I've built most of my muscle when I was that sort of age. Um, my right leg was like just a small girl's leg. It was unbelievable. Um, I think I think with that sort of rehab side of things, like the the support systems aren't really there, and mm-hmm. uh, so you do have to actually go and like take accountability for it yourself. Because yeah. it like if you don't actively like learn about it yourself, like. You'll go see a phys- like NHS physios like that. Yeah, some of them are going to be great, but they're so rushed with what they do. It's going to be like literally like the briefest session you have with them, and then you might not see them again for another few weeks. I think um, which my- like post surgery is just like you you need like consistent like mm-hmm. feedback yeah, on it and sure. consistent help with it. Um, it's I like- think I had two sessions after my first knee op, and that consisted of could I go on a cross trainer for five minutes without falling off it. Mm. That's, that's, that was literally my rehab, but like, yeah. So yeah, that does it. Like, you would just have to do it yourself, or hope that you're quite lucky in. Yeah, yeah. You get. Can, or like, pay for pay for private. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's an expense, but at the end of the day, like, what's like a few hundred quid in the grand scheme of things? If it's going to help you, like, over the next fifty years, have a functional like joint. Yeah, pay, paying for a physio after sort of like intense surgery is. Looking back now, is like is a, is a, is an essential is is a necessity. Like it's crazy yeah. that um, that's something that. I mean, did you do that? I did, yeah. Yeah, I didn't do that even after after the second one. After the second bite, I just did a shitload of research and um, 
was really, really slow about the whole rehab process. Um, I mean, I remember like three weeks after surgery, just being told I had bad gait by the physio. <laughs> That's useful. That was go to a chiropractor and get told that you were out of line. <laughs> That's true. That was, that, that was what the, the, the session entailed. It was like, can you walk without your crutches? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And bear in mind, I hadn't walked for like two weeks properly. Yeah. She's like, your gait's off. Like, so surprising. <laughs> Should I do anything about that? <laughs> I like, so I just, um, I mean, I'm not, not going to go into the rehab process now, but I was a lot more sensible about the, about what I could, how quickly I could come back. And I sort of had it in my mind that I'd probably never be able to play football again, never be able to do this again, never be able to do that again. So I sort of like accepted that a little bit and just like focused on what I could do, um, which, which was, in, in hindsight, like a really good thing to do. I didn't really yeah. do it on purpose, now I think about it, but like having that ability to just go, okay, what can I do? And it just work from there really gave me a much better outlook. I mean, for the first, before I even had the surgery, I was just training my left leg, training upper body. I li immediately after the surgery, I remember being in the gym on crutches, just again, leg pressing with my left leg and like, yeah doing bits like that but it does it gives you that ability to just keep doing stuff which is so so important when you do come back from injuries like that yeah mindset wise it's like it is horrible like i said it takes away like you're not able to do the stuff you normally do so if you if you focus on that you're gonna be like you're gonna get really down about it like there's no way around it so like like ali said literally focusing on doing the things that you can do and then slowly adding in the bits that like like that little bit more each time it makes such a difference mm -hmm. and it like if you have one limb that's injured actually working the other leg people think that's a stupid idea because you can get one massive leg but there is a little bit of carryover in terms of sort of like maintaining strength and maintaining motor patterns in the injured leg from doing like some single leg training on the one side yeah, um, but I, I remember just like after after my shoulders I literally like I think it was a few days after I went and sat on a walk bike and just it like got moving because it's like you feel so horrible after like anesthetics mm -hmm. and stuff like that as well like just feel so much better for actually like like moving a little bit yeah, definitely. I did lots of leg press. My, yeah. my quads got pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> there is um positive transfer, like Tom was saying. When you have an injured limb, you or the if you train the uninjured limb, the injured limb will atrophy at a much slower rate. So you will retain more muscle as a result of that. So it is a really, really good idea to do some new natural training in those instances. But yeah, so I mean that was when I was twenty or twenty-one. Um and I thought, like I said, I'd never be able to like, properly run again, play football again. And because I sort of did everything a, little, a, a lot slower and just took my time with everything, it meant that, um, you know, when I was 20, I retired, out of, retired from football for, what, five or six years? And then I started playing semi-pro again last year um, for a season, which was just, like, really, really amazing to be able to do after not being able to, just literally thinking you'd never be able to play again. You know, play five or side whenever you want. Having that physical freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, because you're taking care of all the prerequisites of making sure that your body is able to do that. Going for a run whenever you want. It's just amazing to be able to do so. And that's, um, yeah, sort of where we are now, I think. Yeah. I think it's in, in, in terms of injuries as well, like, it was as a result of injuring my knee that I started doing more body weight stuff. Mm -hmm. That was how I, how I found that. So I was just like, I was just getting bored of doing, like, just regular sort of yeah. weights in the gym so I was like looking for something a little bit different and having a skill focus like made training so much more interesting and more fun um yeah that's how how I started with that well body weight wise the reason I got into it was because um because <laughs> TMT yeah. came out to where I was coaching um because uh, he wanted to go through some like semi-private bit and all that ended up happening was we were just like he was just doing handstands and rings and I was like Fucking hell, it's so cool. It's, it's <laughs> just able to do all this cool shit and I couldn't even do like any of it. And I was like, and it literally just made, made me, because at that time I was sort of like training on my own a lot and like not just not enjoying training as much as I used to for whatever reason. And uh, it was real nice, really nice to have that sort of like other outlook on, okay, like you, you can just learn all these new skills and get really good at doing all these things with your body. Um, and that's when I sort of fell in love with body training as well, because 
because TMT got a, a knee injury. <laughs> <laughs> that must be why I did as well, I think. <laughs> Saw Tom on Instagram and thought, oh, he looks cool, didn't he? Yeah. I'll uh, try and do some of that. I still can't. But, <laughs> Good night, but yeah, that was kind of how like how we all came together, I guess, was like, obviously, Di, me and Di were working at Starks, uh, and we were trained together quite a lot. And um, then... Like Ali was obviously getting a bit bored training on his own in in Bath, and mm-hmm. sort of decided to come come join us. So like you're coming over once a week, and then in the end just ends up training with us every single day. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of how how hybrid came together, really. Mm-hmm. And me and Tom were on a business trip in Slovenia, and decided <laughs> that we would call Ali and ask him if he would be our special business friend. (laughs) I think those are the exact words we used. They are the exact words. And Ali, uh, fortunately, agreed to be our business friend. I felt very flattered, to be fair. It was a very nice thing to be able to do. (laughs) But I think it's worth saying, in the lead-up to that, we'd just been been playing around with loads of bodyweight stuff, been doing loads of training outside. We'd been doing some barbell stuff. Ali had just competed in a powerlifting competition. we we've just been sort of like doing all these different sort of modalities of training, like piecing it together in a way that obviously allowed us to progress in everything, uh, and having an excellent time doing it, and obviously like kind of taking the seriousness yeah. out of training. We're like, why like why can't we give this to other people? That's like, I guess for me, like what like what happened? We're like we're all excellent coaches, and we all love training. But like, why can't we just like expand this community? Yeah, because we'd all yeah. every one of us in reality had been through a period where we'd sort of been on our own not really enjoying the things that we would associate with our sort of like um like you know uh how do you describe it well you know when you've got it's almost like your identity is doing things mm. and enjoying doing things yeah you don't do things or like train because you think you need to you train because it's part of like almost who you are yeah and then to sort of stop enjoying that you sort of be like am i still the same person and it's sort of you almost get that. That's what I felt like anyway. It's sort of like it was almost like I didn't enjoy doing stuff, and I was like, "Is it? Uh, have I have I become a different person? Is yeah. it something that especially that when you do my, it as your job, you almost feel yeah. a bit hypocritical as well, don't you? Like telling people they should do something and find something they enjoy, mm-hmm. and that it's got to be a process. And you're like, "But I've like fallen out of love with it a bit mm-hmm. at the moment." So, so yeah, it's almost you almost lose that identity of like who you are, and then suddenly you actually realise that it's just because had the wrong outlook, but also just didn't have people to do it with. Yeah. And yeah. having mates to play with is like so essential. Yeah, for sure. It's like if all your other mates are going out on a Friday night and getting really pissed, it's like, you, like yeah, it's fun over so often, but like for the three of us, we didn't want to be doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd like... And that's yeah, that was that was kind of it. It's like like you say, you kind of question it because you're not potentially doing everything that like all your mates wanted to do. But that's absolutely fine because there is a group of people out there who want to do the same stuff as you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was like the first time I'd. So I've always had like good mates at the rugby club and stuff. But it was the first time I'd spent so much time with people who like really had the same values as me mm-hmm. and like did did the things you we were doing for the same reasons that I wanted to do them. And it just makes it so much more fun and everything just makes more sense when you're training, when you're doing it with people that, re- that really share the same outlook. Yeah, definitely. And that's essentially um, why we formed Hybrid and what it was all based on, isn't it? Yeah, it was like, what, what are our values, Tom? You're, you're the, we forget our values. <laughs> our core values are mastery, um, which for all of us, there's been an aspect of that, like both from a coaching perspective and also a training perspective, like we've all wanted to be the best coach we can be since we started coaching. So like you go out, you go on courses, you like just try and learn as much as possible. But then obviously like training is our, like our job as well to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So like, cause we are finding it fun to progress that stuff. Um, like your ability to coach carries over really nicely as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like having, having that sort of mastery aspect was, uh, was one enjoying the process as well. Like, like we said, we've all had like pretty major injuries um and like from that point when you start back you're literally starting from scratch mm. uh same with when you start like doing bodyweight stuff or trying to learn a handstand or anything like that it's like you literally have to go back to the start and if you don't enjoy it you like you're not going to stick with it yeah so like 
it's really easy to get frustrated if you're not getting the results that you want or like anything like that. But like me and like we, we all get people say all the time, like, oh, you must naturally just be like that. But it's that's like I said, it's just not the case. Like we've all kind of been through this process of like we've all been training now for however many years. We we've built up this kind of physical capacity, this movement capacity, all that sort of stuff. So like if if any of us were to go and like try something new now, we'd probably be pretty good at it straight away just because we've already got that in the tank. Um but just like falling in love with the process is so 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 valuable. And that like that's why we sort of enjoyed training together because it was just like it was a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and Absolutely. like I said, it was there wasn't like any everyone's that process is different as well because I don't like you both said you have that like you both have a much bigger background of training and like movement than I do. So I like and it carries over. So often I think like I take a bit longer to learn stuff. So that process is slightly different for everyone. Yeah. So people look at some people look at me and think that I must naturally be good at everything I do. And I and that that's sort of I find that quite amusing because I look at you sometimes and think that you're just that much further on that continuum than I am. But it's yeah. like it's just realizing that it is a process for everyone because there's so many people that make you both look absolutely awful at what you do. do you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like and it's just funny. You you everything is just on this like massive continuum. You just have to um, like like really learn to fall in love with that process and be as good at what you're doing as you can be like that mastery yeah. element mm-hmm. and, and also just appreciating that you're going to be terrible yeah. at stuff as well and there's some stuff that'll feel really like it'll be really frustrating it'll be like feel really clumsy or like you won't get it straight away and that's fine but also like in reality unless you're the best in the world at something you're pretty terrible at it anyway <laughs> yeah like it's every single thing that you do unless you're one of the best in the world you're not really very good at it and that's completely cool yeah. Like, and it's just like, like like I was saying, there's a continuum of like, you can just put yourself on that continuum and just progress your way along it and enjoy progressing your way along that continuum. Because if you always sh- like striving to be the best is one thing, but if you get upset because you're not the best, mm. you'll always you'll never end up very good at it. Yeah, yeah. Because you'll always and you'll always beat yourself up, and you won't even, you won't even you won't enjoy doing the things enough to stick at them or so stick at them long enough to actually get good at them. Yeah, for sure. Our third core value <laughs> is to be a good human. That's that, I think that's the most important. Yeah, yeah. What was it's, it? Uh, oh, what was it you wrote in um in our intro email? Uh, I think it was something along the lines of, "We we don't care if you can squat, triple body weight, do a sixty second handstand, or a load of like run a two hour marathon." Um, if you're a dickhead, we really don't care. Yeah. That that as as much as as much of as our friendship is based around how much we all love training and are quite good at training and like it's mainly based around that we're all really nice people or think that we're really nice people. <laughs> so I mean, like it really doesn't matter if you if you're a dickhead. I I personally am not going to want to spend time with you. Yeah, it's like the end of the day, just like be like being kind to people. Yeah. That like, like why would you not? Yeah, I think I like coaching every day as well and seeing what a difference just like smiling and being nice to someone can make to someone's day and, yeah. and week is like why would you not then carry that over and just be nice everywhere like outside of the gym? Yeah, absolutely. Because you you can absolutely have a positive impact on every single person you meet in a day. Mm. Um, but it's like especially like the weather's been nice the last couple of weeks. And you just notice people like walking around and smiling, and how much yeah. ha- how much like happiness it gives just because you walk past someone and they like smile and nod at you, yeah. a stranger, and like the, the difference that something so little can make. Yeah, just be nice. Mm-hmm. Always be nice. Like when you're out um, on a bike, always say hello to other people on a bike. <laughs> yeah. And when you're running, always say hello. to Harry does that pass. now that he's got a. Uh, a new V dub. He's got a T four. He does the nod. <laughs> but like, it does actually give you like a little bit of a boost. Like when you're running along and you just see someone nod at them, they nod at you. It's just lush. Well, it's like by doing nice things for other people, you actually get more oxytocin mm. yourself, which makes you happier. Yeah, TMT is the chief oxytocin knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to drop some knowledge ones about oxytocin, mate? Uh, Start with what it is. Okay, so oxytocin is 
one of the hormones that makes you happy. Um, and ooh, off the top of my head, uh, I'm just going to basically repeat what I just said. So if you're, so you basically get oxytocin from doing nice things for people. So for example, if you do something nice for someone, you both get a boost of oxytocin. If someone else witnesses you doing something nice for someone else, they'll also get a boost of oxytocin. So it's literally like, you can spread this like <laughs> happiness just by being nice to people. It's crazy. <laughs> but you literally do feel that, don't you? Like when you yeah. are actively nice to someone, you're like, oh, fucking hell, I feel good for that. Yeah. And then it's just it like it. It's just it's so easy to keep spreading happiness. Yeah. When you just try and do it, it sounds like really like. Yeah, but it's just little things yeah. like holding the door for someone yeah. or smiling at someone or that sort of thing. It doesn't have to be anything big. It's mm -hmm. just like, yeah, just be nice. Yeah, like making someone a drink or whatever it is, it's just a nice thing to do for people and it yeah. makes everyone happier. For sure. And they're, they're, if you do something nice for someone, they're more likely to reciprocate and it just mm -hmm. carries on going. Absolutely. Uh, the last but not least of our core values was community and how important that is. Do you want to give us a quote on community, mate? Um yeah, <laughs> I do actually. This is Ali's only <laughs> only available quote because yeah. he thinks quotes are stupid. But I don't write quotes much, but this one I do like. <laughs> if you want to go far, go nope. no. <laughs> That's incorrect. Is that why you don't like quotes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. I do like this one. Uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. <laughs> but yeah, so just the idea that doing things as a group with people is so much more fulfilling. And as a result of it being more fulfilling, you will always be able to do more with that, with whatever it is, than if you just try and slog it alone and just keep plugging, like plugging away, ignoring your need to be surrounded by people. Because yeah. humans do really need that, and for some people they need it more than others, and some people like, and this isn't to say that you shouldn't enjoy time on your own or anything like that, because that's also really important for your overall happiness, is being able to spend time on your own, but if you haven't got a community of people around you that support you and care about you and, and want to see you succeed, you are, you, it is really hard. Yeah. I think particularly now with like so much social media and kind of like people mm. feeling so isolated, yeah. it's like having a strong community of people around you that pick you up and make you feel included is so, so valuable. Loneliness is um, more prevalent now than it's ever been. Um, and there was like a study that was comparing um, floor space in people's houses against their total number of friends, like close friends. And over the last 20 years, floor space has increased in houses yeah. and their total number of friends has decreased. So people are literally spending more time on their own in bigger places, which is really sad. Yeah. Like close friends has gone from two to three or, or something like that. And floor space has increased by like 25% or around that sort of number. Um, and it's just it just means that you people are literally more lonely. And, and it is a... Um, Humans do not do well lonely. No. It is actively terrible for your um, mental health and overall well-being. And it is something that you cannot um, get around. Like um, loneliness or um, social isolation would have killed you like thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you are you, humans hate being isolated and hate being, being lonely. Um, so it's so being part of like a, something that a community that you really really enjoy is is an evolutionary response to staying alive or mechanism to keep you alive, and so you, it it is a fulfillment that you really really need. Um, yeah, yeah, and if you can combine that with obviously doing something that's like health promoting, like training or something, anyway, it's like it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's like going back to Dr. Mike's podcast. He said like the most enjoyable session that he he ever did was. Um, the group session at Grenade Fit because um, he was able to choose the music and obviously like they had a really kind of strong community there 
But they essentially just did circuits for an hour, which sounds like the most terrible like session ever. But it was his favorite session as as a result of like the community side of things. I mean, if I was to just put you on the spot now and say like, what's two or three sessions over the last in your life that have really stood out? I mean, it'd be very surprising if you told me the answer was one of them when you went to the gym on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. I can't. I don't think I can I remember can. a gym session that I've done on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apart from that one when I was 15 and walked into a gym and got pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would have been much better off if you had mates, yeah. mates with you then. I can think of some real nice ones like Hybrid's birthday. Yeah, there was like so 20 nice. of us training, just like literally just playing together, finished with drinking coffee and eating strawberries and cake. Unbelievable. In yeah. the sun. Like There's just so many things and it's always, always made better by having people around you. And like, we're so fortunate to have that. Um, but it's not, we've had to like really work to find people that want to do the same shit and they're absolutely out there, whether it's fucking someone you want to collect stamps with yeah, or whatever it is, there are people that like doing the same thing and will and give your life more fulfillment if you can do things with them. Yeah. So if anyone out there loves training and playing Warhammer, then... <laughs> yeah. That's a new one, eh? Yeah. <laughs> You can be Dai's new best mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's basically hybrid. That's, that, is, that is why we started hybrid. Yeah. To just create like as big a community as we can of people who are really, really nice people, yeah. want to get better at training and want to just spend as much time with each other as possible. Yeah. I mean, we've not even mentioned the fact that we like to do hand stands together, I don't think, have we? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like obviously what what you see on Instagram. Yeah, is that, exactly. Like that's like what it looks like visually is that we do loads of handstands and stuff but if you don't want to do handstands yeah. like you don't have to do handstands to, to like do hybrid and exactly. there's, a, there's a couple of people on the program that just aren't that interested in in handstands but they they like they love doing other stuff and the yeah. community that, that we've sort of created with yeah i mean the um like hybrid is all about doing things together but in reality what the the, the sort of training program that um the online coaching that we offer is about just being able to be good or well being able to play any game at any time and training around gearing you to be able to do that really whether that's playing in the park um going for a run playing rounders you know going for for a swim being able to sit under a barbell and do some squats in a normal gym and have the confidence to go into a commercial gym and just train whatever it is it gives you that solid foundation of skills to be able to play all the sports and win them. Play all the games. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from tag rugby, don't play that don't one. Don't play tag rugby. <laughs> so, tag rugby is actually pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well hard as well. Bad for the knees. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Should we round up there? I think we, we should, should yeah. Shall we um, just tease hybrid games? Ooh. Ali, <laughs> Ali came up with an excellent idea that... Um, we're going to try our best to make a reality for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to do hybrid games, which is going to be a bit like a giant adult sports day. It is yep. essentially sports day for for adults that just want to play all day. Um, it's going to be egg and spoon races. It's going to be max handstand holds. There's going to be... Maybe a cake baking competition. It's going to be a cake making and tasting competition. Mm. Double blinded. <laughs> um, what else is there going to be? It's going to be food, food stalls, ice cream. Ice cream. You're going to get smashed by the end of the day. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of fitness. Definitely some fitness. Yeah. Some real life fitness. Some egg and spoon races for fun. <laughs> some prizes. Yeah, it's going to be an excellent day. But yes. it's essentially just going to be people doing fun things together hopefully in the sun um and doing all things how sad would you be if it's not sunny uh yeah sad (laughs) (laughs) it will be sad if it's not sunny but um it's going to be sunny isn't it so yeah it's it's going to be sunny yeah it's always sunny on that day yeah the day of the hybrid games yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's got 100% sun success rate so far yeah so hopefully by the time the podcast comes out next week, we should have confirmations on the date. We should. But it's games. almost it's certainly in August. August. Yeah. August. So keep 
every day in August. <laughs> and August this weekend. Yeah. Right. Thank you for listening to the uh, the origin stories of hybrid. I just thought of a good name for this podcast, actually. Yeah. What's that? Um, what a terrible idea! Not doing an intro episode is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what episode is it? Are we on ten? Uh, is it ten? Ten or eleven? Ten. Ten's a good one. Ten's yeah. like yeah. we've learned yeah. some lessons. Now. <laughs> yeah. Now we've basically mastered podcasting. Yeah. We can speak into a microphone now. Yeah. <laughs> we we didn't quite get that. No. Well, so, apparently so I we... don't actually get it either because. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that's everything yeah. thank you for listening oh give us five stars we keep forgetting to say that please yeah. five stars five please. stars share subscribe etc yeah. if you like it please don't message me personally saying you like it <laughs> <laughs> oh no do that as well do but that share as well, it but share, share, like, you can just like share it and tag us in and you'll love it because that is so 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 appreciated yeah. you can obviously send us a message saying you love it as well because yeah. that's really sweet of you excellent stuff Catch you next week. Bye. Cheerio.